Greetings, and welcome to the Continental Drift. I'm Andy Valver. So, as you all know, Emmanuel Macron has won a second term as the president of France, beating Marine Le Pen by about 14 points. That was last Sunday, and already seems like yesterday's news. But last Sunday, before they announced the election results, it was a bit of a nail-biter. Even though the polls showed Macron ahead, I was nervous, because I remember the polls said that Brexit wouldn't happen and that Trump wouldn't win. So while I was cautiously optimistic, I was still worried. Those of you who listen know that I'm a huge backer of the European Union. I think it's an amazing, if flawed, undertaking that has brought incredible stability to the European continent. Marine Le Pen, if she had won, would have done everything in her power to undermine the EU and all of its institutions. Seriously, the EU is great. 28 countries that somehow managed to all get along. We need that on a global scale. You know why? Because climate change doesn't care about borders. Anyway, back to the election. Election day itself was rather unremarkable. I'm not a citizen of France, so I'm not allowed to vote. I'm allowed to pay taxes, but I'm not allowed to vote. Voting takes place on a Sunday, so most everyone has the day off and can vote without being hugely inconvenienced. There is an idea that could spread a little. Voting closes at 8 p.m., and here's what was remarkable. I was watching France 24. It's available on YouTube for free, so you can watch French news in English if you're interested. As in the U.S., they are not allowed to project a winner or tell you who is winning. Fine. Anyway, the news anchor was on with the usual guests discussing the possible outcomes, and a few minutes before 8, the anchor says, okay, we're coming up on 8 p.m. when election voting has closed, and exactly at 8 p.m., we will tell you who won. I thought to myself, exactly at 8? Okay. So at 7.59 and 50 seconds, they literally had a countdown on screen. And at 8 p.m., they put up a picture of Macron and the percentage by which he won. And no one complained. No one screamed fake news. No one claimed the election was stolen. Marine Le Pen conceded a few minutes later. Emmanuel Macron gave a victory speech near the Eiffel Tower, and that was it. French folks opened a bottle of wine, went back to dinner, and France, on Monday, went about its business. So refreshing, so normal. But it could have gone the other way. Anyway, we now have five years of Macron and relative stability. What else? Twitter. No, not the whole Elon Musk takeover thing, although I have no idea what he might do if he gets control. No, I just think that I really need to spend less time on Twitter. If you spend enough time on there, I mean, forget the U.S. political stuff, which is ugly, but the international stuff is also pretty scary. And the vitriol. Man, people are really angry. I don't think we ever knew that there was this much anger in the world until we had social media. But what made me lose a bit of sleep this week was, well, I listened to a really good podcast run by Bill Press, who is an award-winning journalist. And on the episode Ukraine, A Grinding Slog, he had on Joe Cirincioni, an academic and nuclear policy expert. 
Anyway, Cirincione ran through five scenarios about what the U.S.-NATO response would be if and or when the Russians use a nuclear device in Ukraine. Five different steps from what if it's a small little battlefield tactical nuke to a Hiroshima-sized nuke. I listened to it, and then I went and restocked my wine cellar. I know this is not stuff we think about every day, but people do talk about it on Twitter and in other places. Billpresspods.com, Ukraine, a grinding slog. It's worth your time. In other Ukraine news, this from the website Euronews, Russia followed through on its threat to cut energy supplies to Europe and stop gas deliveries to Poland and Bulgaria. I think this is just a start. You see, Germany and Austria are trying to figure out a way around paying Russia in rubles, which Russia has demanded. You see, Europe pays for Russian gas with euros. Now, Russia has said it wants to be paid in rubles, which is not in the contract. But they control the on-off switch. The German economy is really dependent on Russian gas. So they're panicking. And Germany's economy drives Europe's economy. It's a real mess. But it's all about money, so you know they'll figure out a way to send euros to Russia and get around the sanctions. Well, as long as I am being the purveyor of doom, I might as well toss this item in. There was an interesting piece that hit all the media outlets this week. Well, almost all media outlets. It was a report about climate change from a couple of Princeton University professors titled Avoiding Ocean Mass Extinction from Climate Warming. The New York Times did an interesting piece about it. They interviewed the authors, and their initial title was Ocean Mass Extinction from Climate Warming. But they decided that it sounded rather bleak, so they added the word avoiding. But it still paints a pretty scary picture. They say that, quote, if the burning of fossil fuels continues to climb, warming would trigger ocean species loss by the year 2300 that was on par with the five mass extinctions in Earth's past. The last of those wiped out the dinosaurs. The scientists say it is preventable. But if you live here on Earth and if you've been paying attention, it's hard to be optimistic. What bothers me most is this is going to affect my favorite cuisine, sushi. I like sushi. Come on, people. Let's get it together. Another item which you probably read about, if you're traveling to Europe in the next few weeks, you may want to avoid Amsterdam's Schiphol Airport. Apparently, they miscalculated their staffing needs and are totally unprepared for the rush of travelers that are heading off on holidays in May. But if you are stuck in Amsterdam and at the airport, and you know you're going to have to spend time there, what the heck? Visit a coffee shop and buy a few cookies. That way, waiting in line will be fun. And finally, here's a piece from the Agence France Presse. If you happen to be in Göttingen, Germany this summer, you'll be able to go swimming topless in all city pools. Well, just on weekends. I mean, they've got swimming lessons for kids during the week. In the meantime, also in Germany, if you're going to take a sauna, and you know that all saunas are mixed, it is mandatory to be naked. For health reasons. Now, I did not know this when I first moved to Germany. And 
I love saunas. And I blithely strolled into a sauna and looked around, and everyone, I mean everyone, was naked. So at that moment, I could have chickened out, you know, wrapped a towel around me and left, or I could have joined the crowd. Well, I joined the crowd and sat there enjoying the heat until the door opened and these two really hot women walked into the sauna and whipped off their towels. And that's when I had to put my towel on and get out. That's it for this week. Thanks for giving me some of your precious time. I'm Andy Valor, and this is The Continental Drift. I'll see you next week.